This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts podcast. It's episode number nine. I'm P.F. Wilson, content director for Cincy Shirts and our sibling site, OldSchoolShirts.com. Today on our show, Jonathan Woker from the Gravity Group, a roller coaster design firm based right here in Cincinnati. Our bloodline runs through Curtis Summers, which is the engineering firm associated with the Beast. One of our owners and partners, Larry Bill actually ended up working for Curtis Sumner's designing wooden roller coasters. Jonathan is the most recent addition to the Gravity Group team, but he really did his homework and was able to walk us through the distant relationship between the Gravity Group and the folks who designed the very great beast roller coaster at King's Island. Really cool stuff, found out all about how coasters are designed and how parks approach people like the Gravity Group to design their coasters. It's really, really interesting stuff. So if you're a coaster enthusiast, you'll want to stay tuned. And again, listen for the promo code at the end of the episode so you can save 20% on your next visit to our website or store. And also, if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave us a review. It's very helpful and gets the word out about the show. And I think that covers everything. So with that, let's talk to Jonathan Woker from the Gravity Group about roller coasters. C-I-N-C-I-N-N-E-T-I-Cincinnati. Cincinnati. All right, guys, we're here with uh, Jonathan from Gravity Group. What's Gravity Group? They make roller coasters. Woo! Pretty exciting, right? <laughs> I'm right? about to put yeah. my hands. I'm going to put my hands up for the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! My stomach's dropping just thinking about it. All right, so Jonathan, we were chatting before we got set up. We were about my favorite coaster. Well, I could, my favorite coaster is either the Beast or the Voyage at Holiday World in Indiana, whichever I rode last. <laughs> and you were saying Voyage was your favorite coaster before you even did this. Yeah, that's true. I uh, actually made it out to Hollywood Nights at the park over at in Santa Claus, Indiana. Holiday World to ride the Voyage, as well as their other two fantastic coasters there, the the Raven and the Legend. Yep. And that ride just blew me away. I mean, I, I, I growing up, I grew up in the Cincinnati area, so the Beast always holds a special place in my heart. Uh, the the Voyage kind of takes some of those awesome elements of the Beast, where you you feel like you're off by yourself, back running through the woods, and uh, it, it kind of ramps them up, uh, ups the intensity. And so, yeah, the voyage, I just, uh, it really clicked with me. I, I tend to like a more intense ride. That ride holds the record for the most airtime of, of any coaster, which is, I think it clocks in right now at 24.3 seconds. So almost 30 seconds, you're actually out of your seat. Uh, airtime is that is that moment where the coaster kind of pulls out from beneath you and yep. you're left there floating in the air. That's something that not all roller coaster designers value, but our, our company in particular thinks that that's 
one really important ingredient wow. in a so, is that, so that's what causes like your your stomach to drop and exactly you get that, that that's that stomach in my throat that's feeling. the stomach in your throat feeling that you get that's that's airtime right there and i mean i think you get it in big doses on a drop ride and some people like that 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 personally terrifies me more than any roller coaster out there uh, <laughs> but uh, in small doses it's uh, it can be a pretty fun you were telling us before we started that you are a civil engineer i'm no, actually or, a mechanic mechanical engineer mm-hmm. i apologize but um, yeah, he hates civil engineers. engineers. That's right. Yeah, very rubbish. Yeah, I don't build roads. He didn't yeah. go to school that long to become <laughs> civil. Actually, um, we're we're a team of both civil and mechanical. That's engineers. what he said, and that's where I was so, confused. Um, but regardless, so if you were a roller coaster fan, did you become a mechanical engineer so that you could? do this type of job or did it just the two worlds sort of mesh when you were like trying to figure out what you wanted to do with your degree? A, a little of both. I mean, I have certainly since I was young, roller coaster design has been a passion of mine. It's been something that I've really wanted to do my entire life. I was the the kid that would on the back of every homework assignment draw out a, a roller coaster, sketch sketch some ride concepts and of course, I had Roller Coaster Tycoon and uh, Dis- <laughs> Disney's Coaster back in the day, even before that. But, you know, for me, roller coaster design is something that it's such a tiny industry. Uh, I believe I, Jeff Gramke, uh, one of the guys involved with The Beast uh, from Kings Island, came to judge a roller coaster competition at OSU, where I went to college. And in his uh, speaking with us, he, he mentioned, you know, it's kind of like becoming an astronaut, where there are so few people who do it. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't make that your one and only career goal there. And so it ends up being a combination of both. I've certainly, I was an engineer first. Uh, that was, I wanted to design something. But the idea of designing something in the amusement industry that brought people entertainment was definitely a high priority for me. And I pursued roller coaster design as as part of that and what are the odds that someone teaches that all that, that? All that would happen <laughs> and you could stay in cincinnati right that's what's unbelievable i mean i grew up going to king's high school so we would leave high school at you know early release on wednesdays and walk through our parking lot into the king's island parking lot and right into the park and that was you know Jeez. king's island was a weekly event for me growing up and who would have thought that I would go off to college in Columbus and and somehow end up with my dream job right back here in Cincinnati where I grew up? Not just yeah, not just Cincinnati, but it, literally in your backyard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's that's crazy. I mean, I'm always fascinated, even though I've lived here for 40 years, to learn like what kinds of things that you know are popular around the world mm-hmm. originate here. You right. know from from Super Bowl performance stages to, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, who would have thought that wooden roller coasters are being built right here in Cincinnati and not just not just wooden roller coasters associated with Kings Island or Coney Island or, or parks around here, but wooden, wooden coasters that ship all over the world. I mean, I th- we did the first wooden roller coaster in China back in 2009. And if you're interested, I could talk about that a little more later. But, um, you know, that kind of... Uh, exploded there. They, they had never, they build a lot out of concrete and steel and bamboo, but 
<laughs> structural structural wood is Pan not is something. The roller coaster. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> what's funny is the idea of a wood coaster in China was somewhat terrifying initially because they said, "Well, you can't build a roller coaster out of bamboo." And we said, "No, no, no. It's it's it's, it's a little different than that." And so you literally shipped them. So the wood? we we actually ship wood from the United States over to China and build a made I in America I coaster. Thing about the, you're yeah. not supposed to do that because it's it takes. It's a lot of bed bugs, or right? Something. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's that's true. It has to be treated very carefully in order to make sure that you're not bringing over any insects or things like that. All of our wood is is pressure treated and heat treated, and it, it, there's a lot that goes into it. But when it's something that's unique, something that's totally new for the country, that you know they're willing to do that sort of thing to to bring in new people to their parks. So do you guys only do wooden roller coasters, your company? Yeah, right now we only do wooden coasters. I, I say right now because you never know what happen, what will happen in the future. But Yeah, that's my, that was my question. I mean, and that's not – I'm not trying to poo-poo it, but I'm curious. Like, right. it, it just seems like a lot of the new mm-hmm. coasters are – yeah, no, steel. Like, and yeah. But isn't so, Voyage is on a steel frame, isn't it? So it's we do a PF, mix of you can't of ask both. all questions about Voyage. This is about one My, my friend Paul will be very happy if you hear that I'm asking all these Voyage questions. Yeah, so no, the, the, in, the difference between a wood and a steel coaster is a little more subtle than some people realize. A steel coaster, the wheels run on a steel tube, and you have shocks that are on the train. A wood coaster actually can be built either on a wood or a steel structure and still be a wood coaster. What makes it a wood coaster is that you have these eight layers of wood as the track. The track itself, what sits on top of the big frame that you see, is what makes a wood coaster. And a wood coaster, ironically, has steel wheels right up against a steel rail on the, on the track. And your cushioning comes from the bending of the wood. So... You get all of your shocks from the ride from the give in the wood track, whereas a steel coaster has no give whatsoever. So they have to put shocks on their trains in order to keep the ride smooth. Okay. All right. All right. So, I I mean, there's so much I want to talk about. I was like, I was terrified of roller coasters. I think it's funny. A lot of people. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. I was just thinking about the difference between a wood and a steel, and a lot of people think that the Gemini at Cedar Point is a wood coaster, but it's actually the opposite. It's it's a it's a steel coaster that just happens to be built on a wood structure, whereas we have uh, some coasters like the Voyage over in Holiday World that are built on steel structure, but it has a wood track. That's a wood coaster. Did you guys build any other coasters at Cedar Point? So we did not build any of the coasters at Cedar Point or Kings Island. Unfortunately, it's a it's a shame to have your park shop local, right? I know, I know. Unfortunately, I I was about to ask about Son of Beast, and I was like, so we were not involved. (laughs) We have not been involved in Son of Beast. I mean, it is a shame to walk into your. As as a business, we do very well, and we've had plenty of plenty of jobs to keep the lights on. But you hate to walk into your hometown park, and you'd like to have the opportunity to work there. It uh, it sometimes feels like you walk into the park, and they've got Steelers games on all the TVs instead of Bengals games. Yeah. When you see uh, the other guys, but um, but no, I mean we've we've had the opportunity to do some work. We we actually did a quote uh, a proposal for Son of Beast back in the day. Um, but that didn't end up coming to fruition. To and then, did you look at what happened and be like, "We could have done it 
better. Yeah, I was going to say, was your design... <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd like to think our design was better, but... Uh, of course. Um, you know, obviously there are many things that the parks take into consideration when when doing a ride, and cost is, is a major factor as well. And so, you know, we, we tend to be competitive, but uh, different things work out. It's all about relationships with parks, and, you know, most of the rides that we do, a coaster isn't something, typically not something that somebody wakes up one day and says, I'm going to build a, you know, a, a $10 million project. So a lot of these things come out of, of decades even of relationships with the parks. You know, we do have a, a bit of tie back to coasters like the Beast, uh, coasters like Mean Streak, n- you know, none of our... The Racer. No. The racer, I mean, very distantly. Actually, we didn't, not too much involvement uh, with the racer. Our, our, certainly our people at our company didn't, but companies that are linked to our companies have been. It's such a small industry that everybody has worked together at some point. Well, well let's walk us through that because, mm-hmm. and you, you said you brought notes, and I have a, a, a yeah, yeah. knowledge of this. So the Beast is designed by Charles Din. Right. Uh, well, somewhat. Okay. I think that is partially true, yes. All right. I'm no expert on, uh, I'm sure I'm going to get some nasty emails at the end of this uh, from the coaster enthusiasts Our who fans are... fans are savage. That's true. They're far more up on the history than I am. But, I mean, the Beast is one of those unique coasters where you'll probably find 25 people in the city of Cincinnati who claims they designed the Beast. And that is probably because they had some tangential involvement. But my understanding is that... Uh, the Beast itself was primarily an internal project by Kings Island. A lot of times these big parks like to do, like to at least manage the projects themselves um, in order to, to not only save money, but maintain creative control and uh, aspects of that nature. So the Beast had some involvement from, I guess I have to kind of almost go back all the way to the beginning of wooden roller coasters where Let's do it. you have this... Back in the early 1900s, all the wood coasters, I shouldn't say all, but, you know, most of the wood coasters came out of this, uh, uh, the Philadelphia Toboggan Company over in Pennsylvania. And that's where you get some of your really famous wood coaster designers like, you know, John Allen, John Miller, uh, Herb Schmeck. And through that, um, some of those designs made their way into the Cincinnati area through Coney Island. The racer uh, had some, I, I, I believe, this will be the part where I get a nasty email, but I believe John Allen was actually pulled out of retirement to work on the racer. And the Kings Island attempted to pull him out again <laughs> to work on the beast. And he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm retired. I, I think he did help out a little bit with that. But yeah, one of the designers who worked on some of the wood coasters in this area uh, from this famous early wood coaster company started to get involved with Kings Island, working with their park staff to give them the formulas essentially necessary to design the beast. And since it was done in-house in the park with some people who hadn't done much roller coaster design before, you've got all sorts of companies that end up getting involved. Um, two, the main two companies that you hear talked about are the DIN Corporation. Essentially, at the time, Kings Island's internal construction team went on to kind of form their own coaster construction company. And then Curtis Sumners, which is a architecture and civil engineering firm, uh, I I believe in Loveland, but definitely the Cincinnati area. So you have Kings Island park staff 
we're doing some design work with the formulas from the legend John Allen. You have the Curtis Sumner's engineering people doing some of the structural calculations on the ride, and you have Din, uh, Charlie Din doing the building and overseeing the construction side of the project. Where we come in is our bloodline runs through Curtis Sumner's, which is the engineering firm associated with the Beast. One of our owners and partners, Larry Bill, actually ended up working for Curtis Sumner's designing wooden roller coasters. He didn't uh, take that position. He wasn't brought on the team until after work on the Beast was finished. But he did continue on to, to be involved in the calculations of, of, I mean, countless wooden roller coasters that continue to this day. So, I mean, through that, eventually uh, Curtis Sumner's passed away. Uh, Charlie Din retired. And Charlie Din's daughter... Denise formed a roller coaster company called Custom Coasters, which was in Westchester, Ohio. Um, <laughs> back, I mean, Jeez. back in the in the 1990s, they were responsible for probably almost all of the wooden roller coasters from that era. And I mean, who would have thought that right next to the the Black Forest restaurant over uh, on 42, uh, there was this firm designing all these wooden roller coasters that went all over the place. That's crazy. That's yeah. nuts. So, like, as someone who's part of the design process, <clears throat> mm-hmm. are do you do you have more things that you would like to do? You just can't figure out how to do them, or is there like, do you just wake up and and go? I've got an idea of something that's <laughs> never been done before. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. are you limited by because of working with wood? That's a two-part question, I guess. There are definitely some limitations when it comes to working with wood. There's a certain twist angle that you can achieve per foot, so um, we can go upside down. Our designers have been talking about going upside down since, you know, probably the early 2000s. Right. Um, it's well, not like a the, new idea. Son of Beast, like the first exactly. looping coaster. Son of Beast. Like, that was the, the more mm-hmm. of the selling point, which, right. was, which was what I thought was kind of sad about the demise mm-hmm. of the Son of Beast was that the issues it was having... Mm-hmm weren't really we're anything to, to do that. with the loop, yeah. which was the selling point for the ride. Right, so it was right. like, you know what I mean? Oh, like what? throwing the baby out with I the bathwater. I thought it was the loop that was the... So, I don't think so. It was yeah. like some of the turns that the were... the bathroom. Under- yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, they did take the, the loop out, and I think that had... I can't speak to why Kings Island made that decision, but um, what I heard was that was actually related to the change in trains that they needed to do. Um, they, you know, they, they put some lighter trains on the, the track, and uh, the new trains weren't able to go upside down. I don't know if that's the, the full story, but that that's probably part of the story. Okay. Um, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I was just... What would you have done so. differently? <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, I, the whole ride I mean, would have been... Hindsight's 2020. Yeah, yeah. I mean, course, certainly but... hindsight's 2020. The, that, that ride, I, I don't want to you know, dump on, on other people's rides, but, I mean, certainly you don't see too many co- wooden roller coasters that are that big that fast. And that probably had something to do with with what you saw there. I mean, Spit off more than they could chew? Well, you've seen... Or physics could chew, I guess. Yeah, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent, but, um, you know, we, we kind of have addressed some of the issues that, you've, that you saw with Son of Beast with our trains. Like, one thing the Gravity Group has done has designed our own wooden roller coaster trains. And part of what makes a wood ride start to to get bumpy, start to jostle you around a bit, is the trains, the heavy trains beating up on the track. And, 
You know, a wood coaster, if built properly, is glass smooth when it opens. It's just over time, as the weather stretches, sure. shrinks, moves the wood, as the train, the heavy train shuffles and, and bears down on the track, you start to get warping, bumping, and that's what makes a, coast, a wood coaster bumpy. No, so like when you ride a, a, a wooden coaster or even mm-hmm. um, or even a steel coaster, mm-hmm. are you, as someone in the industry, are you like hypercritical? Are you <laughs> jaded at this point? Do you go, man, that's a really good idea right. or, or I would have done something different? Like, can you even enjoy rides at this point? <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty good at turning it on and off. I mean, there's definitely if – I, if I set in to diagnose a ride, I can certainly, certainly do that. And I've needed to do that on our rides when I – Often, oftentimes it's hard. Usually when we open a ride and, and I'm commissioning the ride, I'll, I'll go to the park and when it's time to open the ride, I'll have that one first ride where I just lay back and enjoy it and, you know, want to experience what we've created. And then after that, it gets into the, into the nitty gritty figuring out, okay, oh man, bent number 198, it's got a, it, it's got a issue there. We need to, we need to tweak that. And, and you so, can feel that really yeah. as you're riding. Oh yeah, it, yeah. Like, you can definitely feel it. And, uh, just have a little note. I mean, you know, get off you, so embarrassed. Like, oh. if, if it's your ride, <laughs> when you, you know, when something is not, uh, as it should be. And there with a wood coaster, it's just as much, art as it is science you've got people we've got these master builders in the field who specialize in putting together wood coasters and there's a lot of agency that they have uh in order to to make our vision obviously we try to give them as time goes on more and more specific drawings you know ideally our our goal would be that anybody who um could work at a mcdonald's could build a roller coaster you know the, through our drawings that we provide, but uh, we're not at that point <laughs> so yet. You've never seen me we, with a saw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you're on a ride, like you know, maybe it's maybe it's varying levels, but mm-hmm. if you do notice that something is off, the, yeah. when a when a ride is about to open, mm-hmm. like how typically how hard is it to repair something that you uh-huh. notice? I mean. Like, do you, have you been on a ride and you're like, this is bad. Like, this is going to be a pain oh, yeah. to fix it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always some work that needs to be done before you open a ride. Typically that work is minor, but I mean, sometimes you're ripping out entire sections of track and, and re, re, uh, building the eight layers of track and you want your ride to open in the best light, uh, not only for us, but for the park. Review, the, early reviews. Exactly. First impressions mouth, are key. Yeah. And, uh. You know, you, you definitely want people to be speaking highly of the, the ride from the get-go. And so whatever it takes to, to get that right is what you need to do. And, you know, obviously there's a there there's a balance. There's diminishing returns. Sometimes the things you hope you can fix take a little longer than you'd like, and the park has to make a decision whether or not they, they want to delay the opening of the ride or if they want to open on time. I mean, I say that like, like that's an issue that comes up often, but that's not typically that those are typically easy decisions to make you tackle anything big that needs to to be adjusted and so fixes could be stuff that Mm -hmm. should be addressed but is not in danger to people that oh they could still operate the ride and you could work on fixing it exactly and and you know we've we've had rides in the past that have you know we've returned to later in the year a year later in the next off season to to just kind of finish like perfecting a certain mm-hmm. area. I mean, 
obviously by that time we're down to really minor tweaks that are probably only going to bother us. But, uh, you know, you want it to something little now can turn into repair work that needs to be done five years in the future. And what your goal is as a company who's selling a roller coaster is, you know, I want that park to have as little maintenance as possible. Right. So. I'm guessing your roller coasters come with a warranty. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> we do have a warranty for our, our coasters, and and yeah, that's something that like is all included, like repairs, things like that is is something that we we take care of because we want to give the parks the best product we can. So uh, back in the day, the the bat, another famous coaster from Cincinnati lore. Yeah, uh, it it didn't work out, mm-hmm. and I interviewed the guy that designed it, Ron Toomer, for an mm-hmm. article for a old newspaper way back in the day. Yeah. And uh, anyway, Ron said that, well, the problem we had with the bat was even all, with all the engineering we did on it, we did not foresee some of the stresses that ride was going to endure. <laughs> and that's all it was. It never hurt, mm-hmm. as Don Helbig will have us point out, it never hurt anybody. It just was not running more than it was running because mm-hmm. of the... So my question is, is the technology better now in the design process mm-hmm. that's a lot less likely to happen? Or as you're saying, are there still things that even once you get it out in the field, yeah. you don't know until this thing runs how it's going to perform? Yeah. Well, certainly technology is getting getting way better. I mean, back when... You know, in the days when they designed the Beast, they probably had a, a couple, a handful of drawings that they used to make that entire ride. And now we have hundreds, if not thousands, of drawings that get produced to detail down down to where each individual bolt goes on the ride. And so as far as quality control, that is that has improved by leaps and bounds. Um, calculations we're able to do on you know computers now in a split second with our own custom software that we've developed that uses the types of design and dynamics that we prefer as a company. So We've able we've been able to automate a lot of things that involve that allows us to put more manpower into the quality control aspect of of a wooden coaster to keep things consistent to keep things predictable. That being said, anytime you try something new, there is certainly a level of unknown. Uh, we as a company have not done any big departures. I, I mean, I, I say that, uh, but uh, I mean we've gone upside down. And there were some new things that needed to be figured out through that uh, with, you know, we've, we had to change the, the cut and the shape of wood that we used so we could get a little more twist per angle when we were going upside down. We had to change our, our software that designed structure to, to design the, uh, the structure differently. So there are things like that that need to change. But I think you probably see more so with other manufacturers than us. Um, it, it all depends on how big the change is. Um, you know, you, Cedar Point has certainly had a few unique rides that have come out that that faced some challenges in their in their new years and or their early years. And even even rides like Son of Beast, you see, like so if you try something different, there's going to be there are going to be challenges involved with that. But We've had a pretty good track record as a company of uh, tackling those before the they uh, they left our our engineering desks. So, do you have like a, do you have one of those like simulators at your office where you can design yeah, like, a coaster out and, tunnel, then go, or, and then go go try it out on the on the computer? Somewhat, yeah. I mean, we uh, coaster. Uh, <laughs> Not uh, not to a crazy level, but I mean, I'd love it. I'd love to have like one of those little like rideable simulators in the back. But I, mm-hmm. we do get pretty close. We've got there's a there's a popular roller coaster video game called No Limits, 
it's a it's more of a simulator type game than it is you know maybe like a management roller coaster tycoony game. Oh, right. um, but uh, what we do is uh, we obviously don't design our our coasters in a video game, but it does a very good job of modeling the coaster in real time, simulating riding it. And so what we'll do is we can actually we've developed export code where we can export our coaster design from our internal software into this video game that simulates the coaster. And then we could throw on, you know, the office Oculus Rift or whatever and ride (laughs) the coaster in, uh, in VR. And, you know, it's, it's a different experience when you've got the headset on and everything looks like it's life size. Turn a fan Uh, on. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we've got, you've got somebody in their office chair with their hands on the back shaking it and you you can get pretty close. (laughs) Some annoying girl screaming. Yeah. 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 Make it as real as possible. So, I mean, we do have, we do have the ability to, to, to test out our rides in, in a simulation format um, it, it tends to be something that our designers are so intimately familiar with the the ride by the yeah. time it's it's ready to go that <laughs> there aren't many surprises. But yeah. uh, so when you, so when someone calls you guys and says we want a new roller coaster, do they have a vision for what it's going to entail, or do they just say here's how much room you have to work with? Yeah. Or you guys are the pros, just make us. A yeah, that's because like, yeah, when you keep saying video games, like I just remember me playing video games where I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do a hill, and then I'm gonna do a loop, and then I'm gonna do a corkscrew, <laughs> uh-huh, like uh-huh. you know, and then it just pieces it together. Pretty like, soon you have the euthanasia coaster. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, it's uh, we. <laughs> um, that's a good question because it 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 runs the gamut. We have parks that come to us that have already designed their own coaster in <laughs> That's no they give you their video you know, game and file. they'll give us their video game file and then they'll say make this. That's hilarious. Um, you know that has happened. Um, but and then we also have the complete opposite end of the spectrum where a park says I know I want a ride that's kind of roughly this size, this budget. Um, I've got these three plots of land that I might be able to use. What do you guys, what can you come up with? And the truth is... What do you prefer? uh, Well, you know, we like like any of them, to be honest. It's... I mean, good for business, but, you know, creatively, does it help you out? You know, because we get that here with Mm t-shirts, where it's like, I need a t-shirt. Right. You know, and some of our designers work better with... You know, a vision given right. to us by the customer, and some of some of the customers are like, "We trust you guys mm-hmm. to come up with something cool." And some of our designers are like that. Like, yeah. what do you prefer? Yeah, I mean, sort of like y- your designers. Probably we every we have our own particular style and our brand, and that's what, and that's going to come across in our coasters no matter what. And I think you know, certainly we prefer what ends up happening every time, which is somewhere in the middle. There's mm. always collaboration with the parks. We've worked a lot with small parks because we really enjoy that collaboration aspect of it. That's why, that's part of why, um, you know, we've, we focused some of our early rides on, on these smaller parks because the people, the owners, the, the engineering team tends to get a little more hands on when it comes to the design. And that helps you know that you're building a ride that is that is what they want. It's exactly what they want. And, you know, the voyage over in Holiday World. Here uh, we go again. Santa Claus, Indiana, <laughs> right? That's, uh, there voyage. was a lot of, there's a lot of collaboration between our company and 
the and uh, Will Cook, the the owner of the park, and it uh, it made the ride all the better for it. You, you, there were countless iterations of that ride. I'm sure the site changed a little bit during the process, but it ended up making something that was bigger and better than any one party originally could have dreamed. And so that's what we like is is somewhere in the middle where the park comes to us with ideas and says, "Hey, this is what we really want." And then we're able to take that and uh, and turn it into something even bigger. I have so many questions. So, <laughs> have you ever been called in to fix someone else's ride? Uh, like, you, you know, you put in a ride and they love it. And yeah. they're like, hey, can you <clears throat> Yeah, that, that definitely happens. Um, I mean, most of the time it's, it's not due to a problem with the design necessarily. It's uh, typically just due to age. And... With a wood coaster, the codes, the the way that you build a wood coaster has dramatically changed over. I mean, wood wood coasters are, are a pretty old industry. I was talking earlier about the you know coasters in the ni- early nineteen hundreds, and you know some of these older coasters are still standing because they're you know they're like the beast. They've got a passionate following of people who who don't want to see that coaster go away, and you know a wood coaster involves placing wood every so many years, doing doing upgrades, doing changes. And so that's kind of more what we see is, is people coming in and saying, okay, this was built back when, you know, the bent spacing used to be like this and we need to we need to do something with this area of the ride because we're getting some some weird track stuff going on. And and so that's more of what we see is kind of cleaning up aging rides. But um but yeah, I mean that's that's what we do is we're, uh, we're wooden roller coaster designers and engineers. And so if, if a park does have an aging wood coaster that is having issues in a certain area, I mean, it's really easy for us to go out to that site and survey it. And we pop it into our software, which has, I mean, I don't think anybody else in the industry has what we have at our office where we can, we can actually take these these points that we take out in the field, put it into our software and like develop a completely new dynamic curve for this and rebuild that area of the track to be perfect, like brand new. And and oftentimes we're able to make it better than what it was originally in the original design. And so, you know, I, obviously we, we prefer to, to build giant new rides that are, that are our rides, but, uh, it's certainly well within our capability and, and something that people ask us to do. Yeah. So how's that work with like, like when I buy a roller coaster from you, Mm -hmm. is that a totally custom exclusive just to us? Or is there something, if you guys, do you guys come up, do you have like a catalog saying, Hey, Mm -hmm. you can have this and that, (laughs) you know, you'll make sure that this ride almost like label slapping, like, you know, put a different name on it. And yeah, I mean, it would be my dream to have a catalog like that where we could show people and say, just pick a, choose a ride and we'll, we'll, we've already got it designed. And, but the truth is a, a wood coaster is so dependent on the terrain. And so everything is site specific. Even if, even if you start, we do oftentimes have parks start out saying, I want that coaster that that park has. And it never ends up being that coaster. It always ends up being something different because you look at the plot of land that they have and you say, oh man, well, you got this hill over here. We could, we could take the coaster up 10 feet higher for the same price. You know, you could have, and Uh there's all sorts of (laughs) changes that can be made. And, and that's, what's fun about, uh, you know, we have 
a group of people who love roller coasters. And so they go out to these parks and they're like, how can I give this park the, the best possible Blank coaster? Canvas. Yeah, exactly. Really cool. So, yeah, I mean, it's... We have people that, that want that, <laughs> um, and I'd, I'd love to have a catalog, but Do you ever yeah, have to like, suggest people ride some of your coasters? Like, coincidentally, mm-hmm. you're one of your competitors, yeah. uh, uh, Bolger Malbiard, get their mm-hmm. steel out in Claremont County yeah, from yeah. Claremont County Fabricator. Do you ever have to convince a park that, no, you want to go with wood, this, this steel, that's rubbish, <laughs> and go ride this coaster and, mm-hmm. and see what do you Yeah, that's definitely... Like a test drive? That's part of the sales process for sure is making sure people get out and ride our coasters because when it comes to to steel or wood sometimes we're we're competing against uh steel coasters but typically those are in two pretty different leagues when it comes to um price and scale and so the park usually has an idea of what they want when it comes to that but still there's definitely what you were talking about like get out and and ride this coaster and see how it makes you feel i i one of our coworkers, Mike, often describes a wood coaster versus a steel as, you know, a, a steel coaster is more like a sports car and a wood coaster is more like a dune buggy. And, you know, they're, they're like different musical genres. It's, it's not that one is better than the other. It's that they're two totally different feelings. And sometimes you're in the mood for one and sometimes you're in the mood for the other. What the wood coaster does great is it gives you this, like, out of control feeling like you can look at that track and you don't really have a good idea of what it's going to feel like to ride that coaster until you're on it and when it's throwing you one way the other way that unpredictable nature is kind of what we like to play up in the wood coaster makes something that catches people by surprise and i think that our rides in particular have a very different dynamic feeling than other wood coaster manufacturers So it is important to get people out, get them to ride the rides and say like, hey, what what do you like? What do you don't, you know, what don't you like? Uh, You know, we can we can work with you there to to get you exactly the feeling that you want your guests to have on this this ride. All right. So I have like a chicken and the egg question. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So when it comes to like, because I'm staring at your shirt and Uh I love the logo for that coaster. And I always love that that these rides, and it's really only roller coasters. It's not any other rides in the park that have like a backstory to right. the or or like a really cool logo. Yeah. So, what do do parks? Does that ever influence the design of the coaster, or do you design the ride and then it's up to the park of what they want to mm-hmm. name it and the logo and and sort of the, you know. Like yeah. Which part of that process comes first? I would say more often than not, the ride is designed before it is named. That's not always true, but more often than not, the ride is the ride is designed before it's named. Uh, it's typically we get some guidance about is this going to be you know a really intense, huge ride? Is this going to be a small scale family coaster? And so we kind of try to. You know, we design our dynamics, our ride around those constraints, and then the park simultaneously is working with their marketing team to figure out what name okay. fits that. But yeah, usually the coaster's designed first. Um, we have had some interesting uh, coaster naming uh, situations before. I know there's one park that we did, or that we worked with, that had a contest to have kids name 
their coaster, and there was some a coaster face. There were some, there were, yeah, there were some pretty awesome names. Kids turn out to be pretty morbid when it comes to roller coasters. And when it we, comes to everything, we had a list right. on our wall of our favorite names. I think some of them were like one of them was the night before you die, and uh, <laughs> so there were some really creative. Like one of them had something to do with a hypodermic needle. And, uh, there was, oh, uh, so there have been some really interesting stories of of naming coasters in the past but (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome okay so what like what are some of your like wooden Mm -hmm. steel aside like right now yeah what are what are some coasters do you go around the country for your job or just as an enthusiast to try to try new ones or (laughs) are you sick of coasters (laughs) you're just like oh god like what what should people's bucket list of coasters be yeah i never i never think I mean, I, I don't think I could ever get sick of roller coasters. Certainly, I had more time to explore the country and ride roller coasters as an enthusiast than I do now. So, I mean, my disclaimer being that there are still many coasters on my bucket list that I haven't had the chance to ride. Like, you know, I think Knobles has a par- or a, a ride called uh, the Phoenix that I... It's a wood coaster. It's a classic wood coaster. Haven't had the chance to ride that yet. I'd love to ride it. I think it, you know... It, it's typically in the top three as far as best wood coasters in the in the world. And so, is, the, is the Beast the best? The Beast. I mean, uh, the Beast will always have a special I, you place know, in I've, my heart. Of course, but I mean, so, like that's the thing. You know, we're obviously I mean, biased would, living here, and it seems like it, yeah. it's famous for being the at one point the longest or the yeah, fastest. Yeah, the Beast is. Still is uh, I think there's one in England. So the Beast, yeah. Longer. Uh, the Beast is still the longest wooden roller coaster in the world. And yeah, it was originally when it opened, I think tallest, fastest, longest coaster. And, and so it, it definitely having that record breaking coaster in your backyard, it still holds the record is something we should be proud of and, and embrace. And, and I, that shaped in many ways what a roller coaster could and should be in my mind growing up. And so the beast definitely holds a special place in my heart. I mean, I think if you, as far as our rides like if you want if you like the beast if you like that feeling of running back through the woods by yourself i'd venture out over to uh to holiday world in santa claus indiana and, and give the voyage a try oh my um, god that, that ride here right <laughs> actually he's, um, he's not wrong though yeah they, they have they have another part a ride in that park called the legend we actually our engineering team worked on all three of those rides um through uh two of them were under custom coasters which is uh you know, that, that uh, construction design firm in Westchester. And then uh, the Voyage was one of our first, I think it was our second coaster as the Gravity Group. But but the legend there actually has a lot of the same elements as the Beast. It's got that double helix with the tunnel. It's got that kind of wooded area feeling. Um, I'd, make, I'd, I'd make a trip out to Holiday World because those wood coasters there really take some of the things that are awesome about the Beast. and The Beast they, at night... Yeah. It, it's yeah. Been, and, and, yeah. And I don't know if they still do this mm-hmm. uh, every night, but I know it like during the haunt, they, yeah. they turn off the lights. Oh, yeah. So um, it's completely pitch black uh, yeah. riding the beast at night. There's like, I mean, that could never, ever get old. Oh, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what makes roller coasters so awesome is that you have this, you're in this, this car that gets pulled up to the top of the hill through a mechanical system. And then from that point on, you're on your own. 
You know, you're just in this thing that's running wild yeah. off by itself. And so with the beast, you can't even see the station or civilization for that matter. And right. you just are at its mercy. And right, cool. right. And then there's that second lift hill. Which yeah. they just put on because they could. They just kept adding, right, and they kept right. getting sign off, and it, you think it's oh, it's, that's it's done, and it cranks you up and it throws you down that double helix. Now yeah. I'm not from here, as people mm-hmm. know. I'm from Cleveland. I grew up near two great parks, mm-hmm. and uh, the beast is still yeah. yeah as the, if you if you're ever in the Midwest, folks. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the way to go. Yep. So my favorite coaster right now is the Hulk at Islands uh, of Adventure yeah. in Orlando. Just the way it starts. Mm-hmm. Have you been on that one? I've been on that, yeah. It is insane. So, like, the backstory is that you're the Hulk, and you don't really realize it, but you're almost halfway up the hill before you even start moving. Mm-hmm. And then you hear this noise that, you know, the Hulk is becoming the Hulk, and it literally shoots you <laughs> right to the top of the hill. Like, you, there's no climb to the top of the hill. Like, you are instantly... Yeah rocketing up the hill and I, I and the next thing you know you're just looking out over the entire park and it's it's insane yeah that I, I remember the first time I rode that ride I was at the park with my family and my dad uh, was terrified to ride the ride because he didn't realize it actually shot you up the hill he thought it just went upside down at the very top of the hill and he's like that looks very dangerous <laughs> that well I remember the um, the Aerosmith coaster mm-hmm. at Hollywood Studios at yeah. Disney that was the first coaster that I'd ever been on that sort of like had like a rocket start right. to it. Was that induction? Is that what that's called? Yeah, so that's linear induction motors. Linear induction. Those are uh, yeah magnets. And uh, what's I mean, what's cool is actually uh, Kings Island, the Outer Limits Flight of Fear, the launched coaster here was the first launched coaster. Oh really? Uses. Yeah. So that's another uh, famous Cincy first. Is that was the first coaster of its type that used a, a, a launch system like that and. <laughs> that was so awesome being there on you know the year it opened and watching all of the terrified faces because making that an indoor coaster was such a brilliant move. No one knew what to expect. Yeah. Then you get in the station and suddenly everyone's mouth is uh, you know their jaws on the ground. So yeah, uh, that that was a cool way to introduce that new technology. So let's take a step back then. The racer, mm-hmm. like as a kid, I remember. You know, you wanted to win. Like, it was as much about winning as it was, like, riding front or back. And it was, you know, faster in the front of the car versus the back of the car. Like, for somebody who knows the logistics behind it, like, was there a way to predict which one was going to win? Is it faster if you're in the front or the back or the middle? I mean, are there... Yeah, I mean... Is it all the, just in your head? Wave, what direction the wind's blowing that day? Yeah, unfortunately, it seems I think different. You're... On a steel coaster, it doesn't seem to make a difference. But right. on a wood coaster, it definitely seems, especially in the back, it's mm-hmm. like you feel the pull going over the lift hill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. is that... Am I imagining that? Or no, it... definitely. The dynamics are definitely different in the back seat as the, uh, versus the front. Are and they the same cars? Or are they weighted differently? So, or? it's just the nature of the long train. And as you're going over the hills, you're, you know, you're going... You're traveling a different speed depending on where you're sitting in the car um, at the same geometry, right? And so the you know the forces you feel are dependent on on the speed and the shape of the track at that location. And so the speed is slightly different at you know when the back of the train's going over you know a certain point versus when the front is. So if you're someone who loves that ejector out of your seat feeling, 
um, you know, the, the back of the train's a good place to be because typically you're pulled. being pulled yeah. over the over the top of the hill. Um, now the front t- the front of the train, you get that push feeling sometimes when you're going, you know, over the top over the beginning of the crest. And so that's a different kind of pop. That's more of a light, airy pop. The back of the seat has more of that ejector pull feeling. <laughs> if you're if you're on a coaster so that is particularly bumpy, you know, you're you're pretty you're better off sitting towards the middle of the train where the dynamics tend to be more consistent. And so you can I mean it all depends certainly we take that into account when we're doing the design. I mean depending on the length of the train, you know, we'll either design it kind of for the middle of the train or we'll design it for something towards the front of the train and and so it depends on the type of ride but but yeah, there's there's definitely a different feeling. So if you've yeah. always ridden the same coaster in the same seat, you got to switch it up. You know, it's uh it'll change the ride for you. So are there studies that like about like how much the human body can take or I'm sure that you c- you guys could dream up this roller coaster that would just kick everybody's ass for three minutes and then but, language. Well, you still want people to ride it. Right. At the end of the day, you you want to make a fun, enjoyable ride that they're going to bring mm-hmm. their kids on. But I mean, do, <clears throat> I don't know. Do people ever say, "Hey, I just want this thing to just oh yeah, beat I mean, everybody up." And just I want be a coaster the, that's not for everybody. The, yeah, the, yeah. So they're the um, biggest, baddest. Yeah, they're physical. They're standards that we have to follow that are essentially national guidelines for what kind of forces you uh, can put on a coaster. And I mean, certainly if you wanted to push the boundaries with a new type of ride, you might be able to do that, but everybody generally sticks to those standards. It's a lot easier to bump, to use higher forces on a steel coaster than it is a wood coaster because there is that controlled track shape with a wood coaster we have to keep a little bit of fat in there just in case the track changes, warps, gets bumpy. You know, we don't want to take the forces up too high because that'll give people an unpleasant ride should things change in the future. I mean, you definitely see coasters where they've pushed the boundaries. Um, I know one of Kings Island's sister parks, Carowinds, had a ride, I, I-305. It was a 300-foot giga coaster that stayed pretty low to the ground after that first drop and people were blacking out on it uh they had to they had to put some brakes on there it's cedar point there's a coaster called maverick that uh when it was before it even opened they had to remove an element from that ride because the forces were were a little higher than they would like and so it depends on your audience you know um if you're if you're selling a really intense ride people expect a really intense ride and you can get away with some some crazy forces if you're selling a ride that everyone in the family can ride that you know the 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 little kid can ride with his grandma you gotta keep things under exactly well ron tumor told me this is back in the 90s uh and i have a separate question based on this Uh we were having that big coaster arms race you're probably still a kid then Mm. but and i asked him what's where what's the limit he said the limit is what people will get on yeah (laughs) and my question follow-up to that is are we still in a coaster arms race are people marketing differently are they counting more on different elements Mm -hmm. as opposed to just biggest tallest fastest because there ultimately is going to be a limit like you're saying if people are blacking out right (laughs) you can only go down that road you know so far yeah exactly so So, no that's true and i think there for a while it looked like steel coasters in particular were kind of in an arms race tallest fastest uh, craziest steel coaster and then you saw 
you got to a point where everyone was like, been there, done that. How high, how much higher can we go and still have an exciting, economically feasible ride? So then they started switching it up to what can we do differently? What can we do new and unique? And I think that's kind of where wooden roller coasters are. We, there's a, there's a company that actually used to do construction for a lot of the wooden coaster firms around the country that is now doing kind of a, a hybrid mix between wood and steel coasters where they're able to incorporate elements that couldn't be in a, in a wood coaster just because of the limitations of the wood. And that has definitely pushed the wood coaster industry to try going upside down to try uh, some of these non-traditional elements, maybe a little faster than they would have without that push. So as far as like higher, faster, crazier, I don't know that um, coasters are in that that spot anymore. I think they they were for a, a short period of time. Now it's more about, you know, how can I provide something that's a different experience than what somebody would have at a different park? And it's, it's all about, we're, we're getting back, parks are starting to incorporate more theming into their rides that, uh, you know, was traditionally reserved for the big guy, the, you know, the big parks like Disney and Universal. You're starting to see that uh, more of a storyline being incorporated into the rides. What's um, in the shed? Right, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in the future you start to see more of a social element making its way into rides. But... Um, you know, it's more about getting a an, an experience that's unique to that to that ride. I think. Do international coaster riders, because I know you do a lot of international work, yeah. do they want different elements, or are coaster enthusiasts pretty much coaster enthusiasts? And they like <laughs> pretty much like the same elements. Yeah, um, it's like beer, where beer's stronger over in Europe and uh, <laughs> in the United States, not so much. There's. There are some differences, but in general, coaster enthusiasts are coaster enthusiasts. I think you'll find that the people who are really into coasters will travel the world for uh, to ride a good ride. Um, and in general, people like like they enjoy the same things. But definitely, it depends. I think it depends more on the other rides in the area, what the park is looking for. So typically, park wants something they can market. And so... In Europe, we're still seeing opportunities for tallest, fastest, longest wooden roller coaster in Europe, whereas in the United States, we've kind of moved past that. We had our, our wooden coaster heyday, and now we're more into the, the smaller themed unique rides and so there's the kamikaze exactly it's like these Boutique people are in different uh, yeah no there's, there's some truth to that uh, um, so so it depends I, I, I know. China didn't know what to make of wood coasters when they first uh, first got them. There are some pictures of uh, <laughs> some of our employees riding the coaster with their hands in the air, and every other person on that ride has their head buried in between their legs, <laughs> holding on for dear life. So um, certainly it, it takes some time to adjust people to a, a new type of ride, and you incorporate new and wilder elements Slowly. Uh, <laughs> so I would like to put in a request for people of a certain size. Um, yeah. Can we can we finally fix it where it's not clicks to get the lap bar down? Where Done. It just, where it just goes down <laughs> and wherever it stops, it's, it mm-hmm. holds right there. Because I am always between clicks. Right. <laughs> I am either bouncing up and down in between the lap mm-hmm. bar and the seat or 
completely uncomfortable because I had to suck in as much as mm-hmm. I could to get that last click to really yeah. feel safe. No, you uh, that that is a very important thing to address for rider comfort. And actually, I'm proud to say that our company did that. Uh, you haven't had the opportunity probably to experience any of our wooden roller coasters because they aren't close to the Cincinnati area. But, you know, when I started at the company, we had just begun development on our own type of roller coaster train. And what we did is instead of using the click, click, click ratcheting system to lock the bar periodically, we replaced those with hydraulic cylinders that can actually lock at any position. So there are infinite locking positions on it. Love it. We changed it to come in from the side so that we were able to have a varying... Not, not to get too technical, but we changed the radius on the lap bar so that it hugs small kids when the lap bar is down all the way, and it provides a bigger restraint area for, for a belly. Uh, adults. Yeah, exactly. Like a gentleman's for, for those belly. of us who might have a, a bit more of a gentleman's belly, yes. And so combining those things, we're able to not only accommodate a wider range of sizes, our, our coasters can go down to you know smaller riders than the typical wooden roller coaster train and we can go up to larger riders than the typical wooden roller coaster train it's great and we're able to do that holding everyone securely and comfortably at the exact position that they need to be held in at so that was something that we definitely we took our train and and we we looked at that typical box car that shuffles along the curve you've probably felt that on the beast where you've you've essentially got this box with with two little uh you know shopping cart wheels on the end i mean that's that's not really how it is but uh, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it feels like that technical right for yeah everybody. <laughs> Um, but you, you feel that shuffle and what we did, I mean, the beast has, uh, these cars fit like six people per car. I mean, we shaved that down to two people per car. So you, you've got a train that's turning tighter and we took our wheels and we made the wheels. So instead of being fixed forward and backward, they can pivot back and forth just like your car can. And what that means is instead of bumping its way through every turn on turn, that track, yeah, yeah. it's smoothly steering along the way. And so... Not only does that ride make the ride smoother and more comfortable for the people riding it, it also doesn't beat the track up, so the ride doesn't get rough anymore. Right. Uh, so we're, you're you're solving two problems at once with that. That's great. So yeah, we just took we, we looked at the the old typical wood coaster cars and we said if we could start from scratch and build and rebuild a new coaster car that was designed for modern, tall, fast, crazy, winding wooden roller coasters what would we do? And that's what we came up with. And so far it's been, I mean, it's, it's made it so we can make rides that would have been impossible a few years ago. That's nuts. All right. So final question. Yeah. What's, what's next? What's, what's next in the wooden roller coaster? What should people be looking out for? Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. Well, um, upside down, still a big, right. Thing to I work think, on. I think you're going to see different types of upside down elements, but in general, I mean, for us, we've, like I said, been focusing more on the the smaller theme-type coasters lately. Uh, we're, we're about to open up a ride at a, at a park called Sesame Place, which is, uh, it's actually a uh, 
Oscar the Grouch themed ride. And so that was pretty cool. We worked with uh, some local fiberglass guys to, to make a Oscar the Grouch. It's called Oscar's Wacky Taxi. Um, it's themed <laughs> like he's driving his little taxi with slimy on his head. And so. Can you tell me how to get there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we can manage. Where is that? So that's in uh, that's in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, but uh, right around, it's it's not too far from here. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see more of that, more of the kind of smaller, unique rides, um, and you're definitely going to see more upside down uh, and that and that sort of thing. So awesome. Uh, yeah. So if people want to learn more about. Like right. you or the Gravity Group, mm-hmm. are you guys on social media or do you have a yep. website or YouTube videos? Like, how can people learn more that, that want to learn more? Yeah, all of the above. Uh, you can definitely check out some of the rides that we've made. You can find the closest ride to you at thegravitygroup.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and Twitter, Instagram, all of that good stuff that we try to keep up to date with our new projects, some of our rides in the past. And occasionally we have some silly office shenanigans that make their way onto uh, onto social media. And so every once in a while you might get a little inside peek into uh, what makes us tick and what happens behind the scenes. Very cool. And then, uh, and then finally, we always have our guests provide us with a word that will be used as a 20% off coupon until the next episode of the podcast comes out. So you get to pick a word Mm -hmm. and then when people type that word in, they're going to save money on their order uh, with Cincy shirts. So what would you like that word to be? Oh man. I say voyage sorted. (laughs) (laughs) No voyage. You will be docked. (laughs) You remember one thing from this podcast. To be coaster, (laughs) to be gravity. Mm, Yeah. Is it a technical term? What'd you say at the beginning when you, when you get lifted out of your seat? Inversions? Uh, oh, yeah, that's uh, a good one. How about airtime? Airtime. Air yeah. Time. All right. So one word, airtime. A-I-R-T-I-M-E. Enter that code at cincyshirts.com. Save 20% off your next order. It will be good until the next episode of the podcast comes out. So yeah. then, Excellent. Let's wrap it up. Thank right. you, Jonathan, for coming in. Absolutely. My pleasure. And uh, we'll thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time on the Cincy Shirts Podcast. Thanks to Jonathan Wilker from the Gravity Group for joining us and talking about roller coasters and roller coaster design. Are you set to go out and ride a few? Well, if you are, locally, Kings Island opens this Saturday, April 14th. And the other park we spoke about, much to, do- much to Josh's dismay, uh, was Holiday World out there in Santa Claus, Indiana. Uh, they open Saturday, May 4th, and that's about an hour west of Louisville, Kentucky. So today's show is produced by me with some help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They're from Philadelphia, and you can find them on Facebook, and of course you can find that song in iTunes or wherever you get your music. Find vintage tees from Philadelphia and other great cities like Cleveland, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com, and of course, since you is online at cincyshirts.com. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is AIRTIME. That's all one word, and that is good at both cincyshirts.com as well as oldschoolshirts.com. We have some old roller coaster shirts I know in the Cleveland store at Old School Shirts uh, from Idora Park and also from Geauga Lake. 
And so do check those out. We might have some others from some other cities as well. You just have to do some poking around, I reckon. And uh, we, of course, have some other amusement park-related stuff in the Cincy shirt store, uh, both online and in the actual physical stores here in Cincinnati. And speaking of, if you're in the Cincinnati area, stop by one of our stores. We are in Over the Rhine at Main and Liberty, but we're moving down the block uh, this month to 13th and Main. And we're also in Hyde Park on Observatory, a block from the square. And the Loveland store is coming soon, hoping to open that one in late May. Uh, download or stream us next time. Bye.